the word this morning. We're not ready to go there yet, but be prepared to go to Romans chapter 1 and verse 7. Today I want to talk to you about a thing called a calling. Christians tend to ask the same question over and over and over again, and one of the main questions Christians always ask is, what is God's will? And that's a good question. We all want to know, what is God's will? And that's always followed very closely by, what is my calling? And um, because a calling is so personal, most of the time someone can't answer that for you, but you yourself. And uh, so I want, I want to go over a little bit about what a calling is. Okay? A calling in biblical terms has to do with an appointment. An appointment to a position or a task. Now listen to this. A calling gives life purpose. Gives life intentionality and focus. A calling requires, see, a calling gives, but a calling also requires. It imparts and it extracts. A calling requires discipline, perseverance, separation, and preparation. A calling will take you places you never thought you'd get to go. A calling will also take you some places you wished you had never been. A calling will impart to you. But as I said, it will also require of you. I remember some time ago, a young lady caught me after church. And she shared with me that God had called her to be a billionaire. And I said, that's awesome. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. I said, what are you doing to prepare for that? Are you taking business classes? Are you studying economics? Have you found a mentor? Are you learning the language of money? What have you done? What are you doing to prepare for this grand calling? And she looked at me like I was a three-eyed alien that just stepped off a shiny ship. Because see, she wanted a calling. Now listen to me when I say this. She wanted a calling without requirements. That might be why she no longer attends RLC. A calling will make requirements and demands a calling will require you and I already said this to endure to carry on to overcome and a great listen a great many people brother Hagen used to tell us that most people will live and die and never enter into the first phase of their ministry and we all have a ministry even if you're not called pastor or evangelist, pastor or teacher, or apostle, you have a ministry. The ministry is called the ministry of reconciliation. Your calling is to bring people back to God and to let them know God's no longer angry with them, but God invites them to be his friends. That's all of our ministry. And it's the greatest ministry, no matter what our title is, that any of us could be gifted. So when I'm talking about a calling, don't suppose you don't have one because you do. 
but a calling will require you to endure. And a great many people will listen to this, never enjoy their appointment because they move on from their place of assignment to a place of convenience. And you've heard me say this to you many times that if we're more concerned with our comfort than we are our calling, we've already forfeited our destiny. Because a calling does not promise comfort. A calling promises purpose. But I'm going to say it again. A calling does not promise comfort. And I've said this to you before. God is dedicated to your wholeness, not your happiness. That's important to know because there are some things that he will put us through and even require of us to do that do not maketh thou with happy. But the process will make us whole. I don't know about you, but I, you know, my wife and I have known some broke times. And I, and I remember, you know, I, several, it, it, it happened at different levels, but like the first time we come into any type of money, and I ain't talking hundreds of thousands, I'm talking like a hundred dollars. <laughs> and the first voice I hear, is the Lord saying, I want you to give that. Yeah, you following me? And I'm like, but wait a minute, I just got it. Can I hold it a little while? And the Lord, I mean, I remember we got $3,000 and the Lord spoke to her of someone to give it to. And she said, the Lord said, we got to do this with it. I said, you're beautiful, but I rebuke you. Get thou behind me. Because I had never had $3,000 in my life. Those times don't necessarily make you happy, but they do serve to make you whole. When the Lord asks you to get involved in this or that, to volunteer here or volunteer there, and it's not convenient with your schedule, that may not make you happy, but it will serve to make you whole. Because the Lord is dedicated to your wholeness, not your happiness. Is this okay this morning? We're talking about a calling. Their failure to stay in the assignment does not erase or negate their calling. They cannot say, I was never called, therefore I'm not accountable. Now this might be tight, but it's right. I wrote this down. That's just the wishful thinking of spiritual failure. And I heard one say one time that God never made a failure, and I agree. That's always a man-made thing. A calling, listen to this, a calling that never requires growth is no calling. A calling that never takes you beyond your comfort zone is not of God. And I don't know if this fits, but I like it, so you're going to hear it. Oral Roberts once said, if you enter the ministry without a calling, you'll make people religious, not spiritual. So today I want to go to Romans chapter 1, verse 7, and I want to share something that each and every one of us is called to. Everyone say this with me. I have received a call. Romans chapter 1, verse 7, I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. 
says to you then, all God's beloved ones in Greenville, called to be saints and designated for a consecrated life, grace and spiritual blessings and peace be yours from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see that there? To you then, all God's beloved called to be saints. Again, called means appointed and designated. You received a calling. You've been appointed. You've been designated to be and do something. Now, go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. I want to read a verse to you out of the Passion Translation. I'm going to give you a lot of verses, but that's no different than any other Sunday. He gave us resurrection life and drew us to himself by his holy calling on our lives. The calling of God upon you will require of you and empower you to go to him. Because the calling of God upon you can't be accomplished without him. Is this making sense to you? So Paul says here, he gave us, we didn't earn it, he gave us resurrection life and drew us to himself by his holy calling on our lives. And get this, and it wasn't because of any good we have done. But by his divine pleasure and marvelous grace that confirmed our union with the anointed Jesus even before time began. I wrote this earlier that freedom, I think I wrote this around the 4th of July, freedom is not something you achieve. It's something you receive. Whom the Son, whom the Son, you don't achieve it, you receive it. Holiness isn't something you achieve. And I know you've heard me say this many times, but see, if you and I would just wake up to realize who we are already in him, we'd quit trying to be what he's already made us to be. And I wouldn't struggle to be holy when I'm already been made holy. And I would, I would absolutely forfeit that idea that if I do enough things, then I'll become holy when he's already made me holy. So now I do holiness not to become holy, but because I already am holy. I don't have to do to become because he made me to be what I am. And one of the greatest things you and I can ever wake up and realize is who we are in him. You remember you heard the story when I had a, a chance to meet the great T.L. Osborne. And I took opportunity, baby. I'm not going to let someone like T.L. sit next to me and not just mess with him. And I asked T.L. everything that time clock would allow me to ask. But the one thing I remember more than anything else is when the, the flight was called and he got up to leave as he was walking away. I said, Dr. Osborne, one more thing. One more. What is the most important message for the church? And without hesitation, he turned around and he looked at me and said, tell them who they are. They don't know who they are. And with that, he walked out of my life and I won't see him again until we get to heaven. Tell them who they are. See, most saints, we labor under a, 
a sense of false identity. Trying to become what His grace is already. We're trying to become healed. You're already the healed of the Lord. We're trying to become righteous. You're already the righteous of the Lord. We're trying to become acceptable. You're already acceptable. Trying to be loved. And you are the beloved of God. You can't do anything to achieve it. You just receive it. Hmm. Listen to this out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That's him. That we might be made. Everyone say made. M-A-D-E. Made. We might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, listen, the word made, you know, I'm a word nerd and I like it. I like looking up. I like looking up the etymology of a word. So I know what it means when I say it. So when I call someone a bonehead because they cut me off, I want to know the Greek definition of bonehead. I want to know exactly my insult. Don't be so holy with me. Y'all use other words. What does it mean made? Listen to this. To form something by putting parts together. Or combining substances such as the spiritual and the natural hmm? to construct or to create. Now, when a watchmaker pulls together all of the parts, the springs and the gears and everything that goes in, he makes a watch. The watch is made. Now, the watch can't brag about its beauty, its elegance, or its accuracy. Because it didn't do nothing. It was the mastery of the watchmaker. Can you imagine a Rolex bragging that it's better than a Timex? When the Rolex didn't do nothing to become a Rolex. All of the credit goes to the one who made it. So we can't brag. This is the reason. Is this okay? I'm, 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 there's rabbits all over the place, y'all. There's furry bunnies running up and down the aisles, and I'm trying not to chase them. I'm trying to stay on the path, but it's really tempting. The greatest antidote to arrogance and pride in the church is the message of grace. You see, because legalism breeds arrogance. And I can say this because I come from the faith camp. There's a lot of arrogance in the faith camp. Well, I'm this way because I gave a $1,000 offering. Well, whoop-de-doo. I prayed a thousand hours in tongues. You're telling me what you did. What I want to know is what did he do? You following me? Grace, see, grace leaves no room for arrogance. Because it's all about what he did, not about what we've done. And so the more I come aware of grace, the less room there is for Jimmy to gloat and be prideful. Because I can't say I know what I know because I prayed a thousand hours in tongues or I read five, the Bible 500 times. Without his grace, I would know nothing. Without his grace, I wouldn't be able to read the word A. So it's all about his grace and it's not about our, we ourselves. 
And so this is why Paul said that when he made him sin who knew no sin, he made us righteous. So we can't brag about our righteousness because we don't do anything to achieve being righteous. Pastor, I thought you were preaching about a call. I am, y'all. Just give me time. I'll get around to it. But we need to understand, see, that the call of God on your life, you didn't do anything to achieve it. And when people say, God called me to be an apostle, that ain't because you're special. Because the call doesn't have anything to do with how special you are. It has to do with the need of the kingdom. That you were born for such a time as this, but you did not dictate the moment of your birth. So it doesn't have to do with you. It has to do with the purpose of the kingdom. Is this okay? So just like the watch, it just is what it is because of the one who made it. You and I need to learn to be who we are because of the one who made us. See, I think one of the greatest liabilities in the church is we pretend to be less than who God called us to be so we can fit in with them. Because we can't get over there and talk about faith because if we get over there and talk about God healing our sons and healing our daughters and God blessing me and prospering me, then they're going to disown us. And so we lower what he made us to be so we can fit in with them. I told someone one time, I said, listen, don't ever try to pour your pool-sized dream into a pea-sized mind. There are some people that they just will not be able to comprehend the work of grace in your life. So get among people who will celebrate you, not just people who will barely tolerate you. You got to be around other people who know the work of God in their lives so they can appreciate the work of God in your life. And it ain't about us getting together and patting ourselves on the back. It's about getting around people and saying, look what the Lord has done. I used to be a sinner. I was the rankest of them all. Now he made me a saint. That is my call. Mm. So he called you to sainthood. But once again, sainthood isn't something you achieve. You know, there are different churches like the Catholic Church that say you got to work three miracles and something else. Well, I don't got to work no miracles to be a saint. I just got to receive his love. It's something you receive. What does it mean to be a saint? Listen to this. To be a saint, which is what we're called to do, and it's just one of the things. If, if the Lord permits, we'll be on this for a couple weeks. There's several things God has called us to do and be. But the saint is one who's physically pure, morally blameless, consecrated. All God's beloved ones are called to be saints. And I know that, listen, in the church world, we, we tend to see us in them, right? When we read the New Testament, we, or even the Old, we, we elevate and we esteem, and rightly so, the people of the Scripture. Moses, wow. Paul. Hear the echo? That's without reverb. I'm just talented. You're amazing. 
and there's us and there's them. And even we, we tend to elevate modern day celebrity ministers as if there's something special. But you know, I've been in the green room with some of them. They ain't all that. I'm just serious. Behind the scenes. What am I saying? If you would have met Jesus in the flesh, he would have looked a lot like you. He would have talked like you. He would have walked like you. In fact, in fact, you might not have thought he was really all that holy because you would have looked at who he was hanging out with. Come on. There were others that would have seemed a lot holier than him. And if you had met Paul, you would most likely be impressed with his intellect, but not so much with his physical being. As if he was a little word nerd. Impressive intellectually, physically, not so much. What am I saying? I'm saying the same voice that called them to be history makers and world changers is the same voice that has called you. You have access to the same level of holiness. You have access to the same level of anointing. You have access to the same level of separation and consecration. What I'm trying to tell you and me is that they are no better than we. They just lived as if God did something in their lives. But the same voice that called them, the same voice that called Paul on the road to Damascus called you on the trail you were on. It's the same voice. It's the same anointing. You're called. Just like the greatest apostle who ever lived. You're called just like Billy Graham. You're called just like anyone else that you esteem. Is this okay? See, Charles Spurgeon wrote this, and I wrote it down because I really liked it. It is a Christian's duty to force his way into the inner circle of saintship. He said, we have the same light they had. The same grace is accessible to us. Why should we rest satisfied until we have equaled them in heavenly character? Amen or oh me. Hmm. They lived with Jesus. They lived for Jesus. Therefore, they grew like Jesus. Let us live by the same spirit as they did, looking unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. And as we look upon him, this is what I wrote down. Our saintship will soon be apparent because what we behold, we become. So as we look unto Jesus, we'll become like Jesus because we are not disqualified by our deeds. We're qualified by his blood. And we have the same access to the throne of grace that anyone who ever lived before us had. And you have not received an inferior calling. The calling comes with the equipping. Christ, listen to this. Christ called you to be a saint. So you must discipline yourself to drop the ain't. 
Because God called you to sainthood, not ain'thood. What do you mean by that? You hear it all the time. Well, I ain't nothing special. I ain't good enough. I ain't smart enough. I ain't talented enough. I ain't able. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't. Oh, thou is. But God didn't call you to ain'thood. He called you to sainthood. He has given you the ability to be a bright light in a dark world. In a world gone bad, he has called you to be good. See, listen, when we realize who we are, we'll lose the excuses. I've had people tell me, I've had preachers tell me when I try to deal with them with their temper. Well, pastor, you got to understand I'm Greek. I'm German. I'm Latin. No, you're carnal. Because his calling erases our excuses. If he called me to be holy, even as he is holy, then I'm without excuse. I can't say, well, I can't drop the addiction. I, you got, I gotta have it, gotta have it. Gotta. No, you don't. You just want it. Because his equipping is for you to be holy. That you can be just like your father. Is this making sense? Because with the calling comes the equipping. And when I receive the calling, I lose the excuses. And now I give my life to the fulfillment of that call. Because that call gives my life purpose and intentionality and focus and perseverance and separation. I'm going to keep going until I become what he's already made me to be. Until it becomes apparent to all the work that God has done in my life. I am walking step by step toward that which he has already done. So I have the ability in a world gone mad to have a stable mind. In a world filled with confusion to walk in wisdom and understanding. I mean, it's okay for politicians to be stupid. Preachers ought not to be. Why? Because he's not given us the spirit of fear and of timidity and cowardice, but of power and love and a sound, well-balanced mind. In a world, listen to this, in a world of villains... He's called you to be a hero. You can be a saint, set apart, consecrated, physically pure, morally blameless. Why? Because he equipped you to do that. He gave you the ability to do it. Well, Pastor Bo, what when I mess up? You go to him and say, I'm sorry. There is now, therefore, no condemnation. But I go boldly to the throne of grace and say, Father, I know I'm better than this. I've been misbehaving. I repent of that bad thinking, that bad behavior. And I come to you and I ask you, show me how to be what you've already made me to be. Mm. We can be a saint because he called us to be a saint. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, and I want to read this to you out of the Passion Translation. 
And for those of you watching your clock, I'm halfway done. <laughs> Paul said this, as a prisoner. Remember I told you a calling requires separation. Paul was so separated from his former life that he considered himself a prisoner of the Lord. He walked in the perfect law of liberty, yet at the same time, he was a prisoner because of separation. He said, as a prisoner of the Lord, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable, listen to this, to your high rank, given to you in your divine calling. There is no ego in our rank because we didn't achieve it. We received it. Hmm. You know, this one rabbit's got my attention. And this rabbit's running over to Romans chapter 7. Because in Romans chapter 7, you'll see where Paul was confessing the confusion within his own body. And this was pre-Christ Paul. He was reminiscing. He was talking about how the law couldn't achieve the holiness he desired. He's, and I'm paraphrasing. He said, I want to do good. But the more I want to do good, the seems like the worse I become. And I don't understand. I'm confused about why I want to do good and I only do bad. Then I realize there's no good in me. And then he keeps saying about how he, he can't do what he wants to do and he does what he doesn't want to do and he wishes he didn't do what he did because he doesn't want to do it, but there's sin at work in his members. And then he says, who's going to free me from this life? He says, thank God. Jesus Christ. Now the reason I'm chasing this rabbit is because later on you'll find Paul no longer has this dilemma. Because he became aware of who he was in Christ. Later on, the very guy that said, I can't do what I want to do, and I end up doing what I don't want to do, later on said, y'all need to understand something about me. I'm dead to sin. Sin no longer reigns in my mortal bodies. Why? Because the sin once was alive in me, but now Christ is alive in me, so sin has died in me, so I'm free to do what I ought to do, not what I used to do, because now I'm a brand new man. And you're a brand new man, and you're a brand new woman, so drop the excuses. We need to stop saying why we can't do what God has called us to do and just do what God called us to do. So there is no ego in our rank because we didn't achieve it, we received it. Let's jump down to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 4. Grace eliminates pride. Listen to this out of verse 4, chapter 5, the book of Hebrews. And no one takes honor, the honor to himself, but receives it when he is, when he is, he receives it when he's called by God. There is no such thing as a low call that comes by God. If God calls you to clean toilets, do it. Because that's a high and mighty calling. There is no such thing as a low call that comes by God. 
No one takes the honor to himself, but receives it when he's called by God, even as Aaron was. Let me read you the same verse out of the Passion Translation. And I'm a little bit closer to being done. And no one takes this honor upon himself by being self-appointed. But God is the one who calls each one, just as Aaron was called. Verse 5, so also Christ was not self-appointed and did not glorify himself by becoming a high priest. But God called and glorified him. For the Father said to him, you are my beloved son, today I have fathered you. So having the rank of a saint isn't about notoriety. It's about service. Let me take you to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And I don't know about you, but I quote this verse a lot. Because there's a lot of things in my life I gotta believe they're working together for the good, because individually they stink. Am I the only one? I mean, individually they make no sense. I gotta believe God's working out a higher purpose. Because when I look at this all by itself, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good. Shabababa. Y'all ever quote this verse? Yeah. I believe all things working together for my good. Shabababa. Because I love God. And that's true and that's wonderful, but there's more to the verse. To those who are according to his, to those who are according to his. See, your calling ain't to make you special or famous. Your calling is to make you usable by the king. No, I won't go there. You don't want me to go there. Okay, I'll go there because Cleve said go there. I knew a young lady one time. She was gifted and she was talented. And she could have been a wonderful worship leader. But she received a prophetic word that God was going to elevate her, make her name world-renowned, and her song sung in the nations. And instead of making it, making it, instead of that word making her humble, it made her a narcissist. And she was unteachable and untouchable. Because she thought she could achieve it. You, you, you follow? I'm only going there because Cleve said. So if it makes no sense, it's Cleve's fault. See, a true calling from God will be so immense that it will drive you to him in humility. This woman began to misbehave and I had to sit her down. I said, listen, I would rather us watch videos during worship than deal with a narcissist. She not only left this church, she left every church. And my understanding is she has not been in a church in 12 years and she has no use for God or his kingdom. The calling is not about your notoriety. It's about your service. And the greater the call, the more humble the servant becomes. Let me read you the same verse out of the Passion. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit God's perfect plan. 
I like that. We're convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's purpose. Next week, I'm going to preach, some, preach a message on, do you trust your God? Because we got to trust him when things make no sense. That there's a higher purpose and a plan. And that every detail of our lives really is being woven together into a tapestry of grace that will one day declare the majesty of our God. And that when the quill of the story of our lives is in his hand, it's going to end well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. Every vessel used of God, hear me when I say this, every vessel used of God must be cleaned by God. The vessel cannot clean itself. Still talking about a calling. Every morning of my life, I dirty at least one coffee cup. But I have never, not one time ever, seen that coffee cup clean itself so I could use it. Y'all following me? Never seen it. Usually my wife will go behind me, but let's just say, in that rare occasion, when I put it on the coffee table and it stays there till the next morning, I discover it in the same filthy mess I left it. Not one time, unless my angel went behind me, did that coffee cup get up, walk itself across the floor, jump into the sink, and take a bath. No, every time, in order for me to use it, I had to clean it. In order for God to use you, he took it upon himself to clean you. And in order for God to, to equip you to be a saint, he took it upon himself to give you everything you needed to live that overcoming life. Is this okay? I, you need to understand how great your God is. God will never require something from you he did not first give to you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. And I want to look primarily at the last part of this verse. But the verse starts out, And to the husbands you are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us his bride. For he died for us, sacrificing himself to make us holy. Who made us holy? He made us holy. And pure. Who made us pure? I didn't achieve that by my willpower. Man, my willpower won't even let me walk past Oreos. They cry out like vitamins. You do your vitamin C, I do my Oreo. So it ain't my willpower. Cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. Verse 27, all that he does in us is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure. 
until we become a source of praise to him, glorious and radiant, beautiful and holy, without fault or flaw. That's our potential because that's part of our calling. And he did it. So in closing, you've been called to a high life. Don't settle for low-level living. It's time to drop the facade and get real. You and I pretending that we're average, normal, or common is a facade, a fake, a deception. Don't be afraid of being who God called you to be. Be bold. Be courageous. Declare it in the highways. Declare it in the byways. When you're in a room filled with doubt, be the lone voice of faith. When you're in a room filled with cussing, be the only voice of praise. Don't be afraid of being who you are. In darkness, be the light. Don't shut out your light to fit in. Get real. You are an overcomer. A super achiever. You are a spiritual giant. You are. Everyone say, I am. You're a miracle worker. You're anointed by God himself. You are the righteousness of God. You're a history maker and a world changer. Don't believe the lie that they've told you. Believe the truth he has. I would rather fit in with him than them. I wrote this down for you and me to act like we don't have enough is another facade. Quit pretending that God has failed us. Get real. He promised that you would always have more than enough for every situation and every circumstance. You have the ability to live a holy, consecrated life. He's called you to be a saint. To say that you can't stop doing this or say that or living that way is a lie. You and I are the blood bought. We're the church. We are the redeemed of the Lord. And he has made us in his image. Everyone say, that's me. We got to know who we are. Who we are in him. This is the reason why I absolutely recoil when people say, well, I'm just a sinner. Saved by grace. If you've been saved by grace, you are not a sinner. Unless Paul lied. Paul said, if you're the beloved of God in Greenville, that's in the Jimmy translation. If you're the beloved of God in Greenville, you are called, you're equipped, you're designated, and you're empowered to be a saint. And we need some miracle-working saints in our generation. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Stand to your feet.